Books are trickling in. Well, welcome to our uh, book club. This is our, um, I believe, one, two, three, our third meeting. And I'm gonna quickly do our intro and then um, uh, introduce all our panelists. Uh, and then we'll hand over to Shirley. This week we have Shirley that uh, gives us the summary for uh, chapter two today. Uh, so this is our agenda, about five, 10 minutes of introduction, then we'll dive right into in, uh, to our discussion. Uh, and then we'll continue to experiment some of our uh, online networking um, uh, features and techniques, you know, see what works. Um, we got a couple of uh, tricks of our sleeves. Uh, so Real Estate IQ is a technology and data company. And uh, in the past uh, seven years, what we realized is that we have created a work from home uh, automated systems. Uh, so we have it created for real estate investors and uh, we believe that uh, everybody in the community, uh, we're also uh, kind of creating more systems for uh, companies, vendors, educators, everybody. Our mission is to empower your journey to freedom and success. And this is uh, because, you know, we do a lot of events and we do a lot of surveys. Uh, and one of the, uh, the three um, uh, wants for everybody that are in the real estate uh, investment community is legacy, freedom, and success. Uh, you know, obviously money is, um, you know, I guess making profits is a big part of it. Uh, but, you know, it's the profit that enables us to pursue uh, the higher level things, which is legacy, freedom, and success. So everything that we do is uh, centered around empowering your journey to achieve uh, time and financial freedom and uh, your journey to success. These are three uh, core values. You know, for us, our culture is very important. Uh, we were just talking to Brent uh, yesterday uh, about culture uh, and, um, you know, everything, uh, I guess, gets distilled by the core values that we embody. Uh, number one is growth-oriented. It's about growing, right, every single day, which is why we're doing these book clubs uh, every week uh, so that uh, we can continue to learn and grow and become a better person than we were yesterday. Uh, champion mindset and there are two layers to this uh, uh, we're on champion you know number one is achieving um, uh, setting goals and achieving our goals uh, and the other one is teamwork you know there's nothing we cannot uh, become a champion without uh, uh, being in a team and succeeding as a team uh, even uh, even the, the what do I use uh, a boxing champion uh, you know he's in the ring by himself but he still has a whole group of people behind him, his trainer and a lot of helpers to really um, uh, help him succeed. Uh, so we're big, uh, we're big believers of teamwork. Uh, and last but not least is integrity. You know, uh, we're here for uh, the long term, right? As business uh, owners, as uh, real estate investors, everything we do is about long term. Uh, and so. Uh, Having integrity, having a strong uh, ethical standard is the only way to play the long-term game. These are work from home systems for real estate investors. We have the deal analysis suite. Uh, and by the way, uh, we wanna encourage everybody to uh, introduce yourself during our online networking hours. We're gonna give a one month deal analysis suite for, uh, for, the, for one, I guess we're gonna do a drawing or something for the folks that uh, um, speak up and introduce yourselves, we wanna encourage you. Uh, we also have a deal finding suite that finds uh, tons of motivated seller leads. Um, and then, uh, you know, number three is the premium. 
Uh, we're noticing everybody that, have, that are signing up for Real Estate IQ uh, in the past four, four to six weeks, everybody is signing up for premium, you know, because this is the new way of life. We can't go outside. We can't talk to anybody. So you have to have the email address and the phone numbers to do marketing. So can, can I add one thing on that, Steve? So before y'all started doing the skip tracing, I, I personally, I actually did my last $1,000 a month, uh, and I had, a, I had a contract that I had to sign for a full year for $1,000 a month for skip tracing. So, and that, that's not the list that that's just skip, just batch skip tracing my list. I spent $12,000 on it in the last 12 months. Uh, so thank you. I, I appreciate the, the savings that you've passed on to me. Of course. And Brent, thank you for the recommendation. <laughs> Pleasure. <laughs> As well. Um, okay. So, uh, we have our book club. If you look at the lower left corner, we have our website here, www.realestateiq.co, uh, and you can join our groups. We have many, many groups. We have the Real Estate IQ Book Club. We have the Real Estate Investing Hot Trends group. Uh, we also have uh, uh, this one, Successful Habits uh, Book Club. Make sure you join, uh, uh, join as many groups as you like and participate in the discussions. Um, and finally, you know, we're, this is our sole goal for the next uh, year, two years, is to uh, crowdfund for uh, Going National. So if you're interested in learning what that looks like and uh, how we can partner together, uh, here's the link for you to join. Um, and I think I'm a little bit over, so I'm gonna talk really fast, uh, is that, uh, you know, why, why this book club? You know, our success, you know, what we can achieve is a combination of all the habits that we have. It's true. We have good habits. We also have bad habits and everybody has those. I don't think uh, unless you are a saint or someone really perfect that you have only very good habits. Uh, but the more habits, more successful habits we have, uh, the more we can achieve. So uh, we want to encourage that and uh, we want to keep reading and keep learning more about the new habits that, uh, that we want to uh, adopt um, so we can achieve more. Uh, some quotes, I think uh, all of these are in the introduction, I'm going to skip that. And our mission is to bring together a core group of very highly motivated individuals so we can share and grow together. Um, quick disclaimer, this is for education uh, purposes only. We don't offer any, uh, I mean, we we're going to offer live experiences, but we don't offer uh, actual investment, financial or legal advice. Okay, now I am going to uh, hand this over to Shirley which uh, uh, who, who will uh, let us, uh, I guess, guide us through chapter two. Thank okay. you, Shirley. Thank you. Let me just share my screen. Okay, uh, before that, uh, welcome to our, our Successful Habits Book Club. We're on chapter two, along with our panelists, John, you, uh, Steve Yang, of course, and Brent Mott. So, uh, but for today, I'll be like your interviewer. <laughs> So it's going to be like a light chapter. We're going to, you know, just do a rundown and then I'll be asking, you know, discussion questions so we can really get into it. So our chapter two is, uh, uh, topic is submit to reality, the ideal apprenticeship. So I like this quote from Leonardo da Vinci. She said that one can have no smaller or greater mastery than the mastery of oneself. Right, so it's really hard to have that self-discipline and self-management. Uh, so, 
what is the goal of apprenticeship? So to get that key to mastery, you have to have a transformation of your mind and character. So with that, it takes years, it takes time to be able to, you know, get through these time of uh, apprenticeship. So we'll get into it. And uh, Robert Greene mentioned that there are uh, three essential steps in a successful apprenticeship. So that is deep observation, skills acquisition. Oh, I think, oh, okay. I think I already <laughs> missed this one. Okay, so with this previous slide, I actually have a question on this, sorry. He's saying that um, after formal education or college, right, most of us enter that period of apprenticeship already. And so we keep on re-entering these apprenticeships every time we actually switch fields or switch careers. But he's saying not to focus on the money, not to focus on, you know, the shine of, of that offer, but to look for the challenges, move past your comfort zone, and that's when you plant the seed to greatness and mastery. So I'd like to ask, with your knowledge of this, how would you advise to your younger self? You know, if you're fresh out of college and you're choosing a career path or even your first job, how would you advise your younger self on if you know about this knowledge now? So maybe, maybe Brent? So, I mean, there, there, there's a, there, there's an element of maturity that comes to this. And I don't know if my younger self would have listened. Um, I, I wish, I wish when I was 18, I had, I had listened to other people and, you know, said, uh, buy real estate right now, buy rental property right now. Now I, I started investing in real estate relatively young. Um, I, started in my, uh, I was 23, 24 when I bought my first rental property. Um, now if I'd started at 18, that would have been, I, I would, I would have gotten even, uh, been even better off. Uh, so, uh, the, there's, there's so much from, uh, you know, learning, uh, that, that I got a lot of maturity. So I did go the, the traditional route. I, I have a master's degree. I did a four year, uh, four year university. Uh, and then I did a year long, uh, uh, discipleship program. It was, it was through, uh, a, uh, through, through camp ministries. I did that for a year and then I got an MBA and that when I, I normally recommend other people against formal education unless they're pursuing a hard skill like if you want to be a mechanical mechanical engineer you need to go to engineering school if you want to be a nurse you need to go to nursing school if you want to be an accountant you need to go you need to go to school to be an accountant but unless you're pursuing one of those hard skills I don't think that formal education is necessary I personally matured a lot during graduate school. So for me, more than the education that I got in, in graduate school was a lot of the, the, the maturity that comes with heeding the advice. So uh, there's, there's a phrase that youth is wasted on the young. Um, and it's, uh, th th there's just some of the stuff that, you know, I really wish that I, that I had taking more into account 
a little bit earlier, a little bit younger. Um, but without the without some of the life experience, and I mean, quite frankly, without getting kicked in the teeth a little bit, um, I wouldn't have taken it the same way. Um, my my life experience is a little bit different. I mean, my parents didn't have the the funds to send me to school. I I went to school primarily on academic scholarships, um, and then what I worked on through school. And I have a, a little bit. I maintain a little bit of student debt because my interest rate's really low. Um, but I had some, some student loans, a lot of scholarships, and then whatever. I, I had two to three jobs the entire time I was in college. But I mean, when he says uh, pursue the pursue the jobs that are going to help you build the relationships, um, I, I think that that's, that's critical. Um, and and maybe I, I don't know if I if don't focus on the money at all is is the right method. Um, but uh, my uh, uh, my kind of job career path in college or in graduate school specifically was really interesting. So I started off, I took a job that nobody else wanted because I, I, I had, I, I, I liked to eat um, and, uh, and not, not well. I just liked the, the, the sport of eating. I, I enjoyed that um, for, um, so I took a job with the school where I literally opened mail. Um, Steve, I don't know if I was telling you or Aaron about this yesterday, but literally my job was open mail and unfold college applications from India. Um, and, and, and it just 20 hours a week, literally all I did was open it and unfold stuff. That's so a that, lot of yeah, I, I didn't learn anything. I didn't learn anything. Um, but then my next role, um, was I, I got to work in the, the actual office for the NBA and one of the things that I did was I, uh, I got to know I, I was one of the first. I was the first student that every person entering that program met. The I, I was the first student. So that while that job didn't teach me the skills that teach or specific skills that that kind of administrative role didn't teach me any skills. I learned a lot of networking. Okay, and and because I knew every single person in the program. And I knew networking was going to be very important. Um, my my goal when I was getting my MBA was high end business to business sales. So that that's what I wanted to pursue. So I knew that developing a really good network was going to be really important. So I had this network where I knew everyone in the MBA program at Texas Tech. So when it came time for elections in that in in the club, it was. I don't know, it was Rawls Graduate Association. I don't even remember the name of the club, but it, it's the club that all of the MBA students were part of when it time for when it was time for elections because I knew everybody. I literally just picked the role that I wanted. And most people think, well, did, were you the president? No, I was the vice president because the vice president got to plan the corporate trip. So, <laughs> so I got to I got to plan uh, two trips. Where and, and the corporate trip was about 10 students uh, would go to a city and meet with a bunch of different businesses. You know, what are you looking for? And I actually got uh, two, two job offers out of, out of planning the trip. And since I planned the trip, we went to New York. And weirdest thing, it was me and two of my buddies and, uh, and eight girls that went on the trip. Uh, weirdest, weirdest thing with, with who picked uh, who, who went on that particular trip, but that, but that, that role opened me up to opportunities. Um, and it's kind of, 
uh, one of the one of the people in the book uh, was talking about uh, it was it was the the author, and she was a uh, she became like the the lady in waiting maid servant of a of a famous lady that did uh, that she was in a singing troupe in a traveling singing troupe, and she learned how to do uh, manicures and learned how to do nails. So she went back to um, uh, Washington D.C. and was doing manicures for all of the people in Washington D.C. who totally ignored her and were talking all this policy, and just learned the were exposed to different things because of what other people would consider, you know, menial menial skills. So it's cool how, regardless of of what it is early on, you can learn the skills and you can develop good things out of those. Right. So you guys have anything? Path. You want to add something, Steve? Uh, oh yeah. Um, let me see. Uh, man, uh, um, uh, a couple of comments I, I want to make uh, is that um, uh, uh, you know I don't know maybe I'm the most clueless uh, person straight out of uh, school. I had no idea what I wanted. All I knew was uh, studying. Uh, and I guess, uh, and I, but I had no idea what I wanted to uh, study. Uh, but one of the early advice that I got was to, uh, you know, don't uh, worry about uh, uh, money uh, and chase after your passion. And so um, uh, I, I try to do that. I think uh, straight out of uh, school, my first, I had a couple of uh, offers, a couple of choices, and. Um, I actually didn't get, I didn't take the highest pay uh, position. I took about $20,000 uh, a year pay cut to join uh, another, to join a corporate, uh, you know, another, com another company that, um, that offers a leadership development program. And I kind of saw it as an MBA. You know, I was debating if I wanted to get an MBA. Um, so I, I did that. Uh, so I basically took a, a pay cut from one job uh, that I think uh, it's probably a little more established role. You know, I could go back to the Bay Area where my family is. Uh, and, but instead of that, I took another role that moves me around. So it gave me a lot more, um, I guess, uh, exposure in how businesses run and uh, more exposure of, you know, the entire country in, in general. You know, different cities have different, slightly different culture, you know, even though you know, you go out there, there's same, same shops, right? You know, Tom Thumb, Tom Thumb is I think Safeway in the Bay Area. I think it's the same company or whatnot, I don't know. Um, you know, I think living in different cities in, uh, in America, you know, your experience is pretty much, pretty much similar, uh, but because the locale are very different, uh, the culture is a little bit different, so it gives me a little more exposure uh, so what am I trying to say? I guess my point I was trying to make is that uh, I kind of knew that, uh, you know, the first job, second job that we take, uh, you're going to be, you're not going to get paid that much. You're going to be uh, trying to learn, uh, as, gain as much experience as possible. Uh, so I think I somewhat followed this uh, without knowing, you know, I wasn't, you know, knowingly, being very uh, mindful about and, and uh, conscious about going through this uh, journey. But looking back, I think it was an apprenticeship. 
um, and um, you know we were just trying our best to absorb. And I, I don't think there's a way for you to not absorb as much as you can uh, when you are uh, just starting on your career because the work uh, the work environment is so new from the school environment. Um, and so you know to me, I thought it was a, a pretty good experience. At the time, I didn't quite appreciate it. Um, I was uh, always complaining, you know, I think I was behaving like um, I was just like a millennial. And so, you know, what millennials do, they always complain. <laughs> and we're never appreciative of, of stuff until we, we, figure, uh, we figure it out. It's like what Brent said, being kicked in the teeth. When you get kicked in the teeth, then you realize, oh, okay, you know, I was taking everything for granted. Good, good that you follow the right path somehow. <laughs> so, there, and uh, we're going to the three steps in a successful apprenticeship. Uh, deep observations. So, we have to know the dynamics first in the system, like not to impress people that you want to get to the top, right? And if anything, you want to impress them for your eagerness to learn. And for skills acquisition, we, I like what he said about focusing on a skill, uh, one skill at a time instead of multitasking. That's you know so prevalent that you have to multitask, you have to do so many things at once. And that's when we embrace the boring and tedium and be fully present in that task. He said two, three hours of intense focus are better than eight hours of distracted work, right? And concentrated practice over time uh, cannot fail to produce results. Uh, experimentation, just put into practice everything, all the skills you've built, and uh, force yourself to do it before you even feel ready. So out of that, uh, you're up next, John, by the way. <laughs> so okay. Robert Green mentioned that, you know, to focus on one skill, right? to embrace the boring, the tedium, be fully present. I think it really boils down to what we choose to do when we're in that, you know, um, when we are bored with our work, with our, with our life, with our career. So how do you practice this choice of choosing, you know, to have the laser sharp focus when the task becomes boring or tedious? Because some people, they get distracted easily, easily with social media, with working from home, with other bombardment of distractions. So when most other people prefer to do what entertains them and what gives them pleasure, instead of embracing the pain and uh, boredom, you know, how do you keep focus? Um, well, that that question is, uh, I, well, I guess everyone has different personality. For me personally, I'm the type of person who, if I want to focus on something, I do nothing else but that. So for me, it's not that hard. Um, you know, I, I'm the type of person who, as a kid, would know if I'm focusing on homework, I wouldn't eat until I'm done with all the homework, all the project, everything. So I'm the type of person who has a checklist, you know, on, in his mind, and I just check everything off one by one until there's nothing left. Then I do stuff for fun. Now, that kind of changed a bit after college because uh, I never had the leisure of not having any tasks at hand. Uh, I went to an architecture school in Taiwan, and, and that was the hardest I have ever ever have ever taken in academic schooling it requires uh like 
know, 20 plus hours a day of, of just hard geared towards designing. And then at the end of the day, you're not, you're not going to be, you know, your professor's not going to be satisfied because you're still young and you don't know anything about design. So everything you do is pure crap. And there's a lot of work, right? They give yeah, you like, it's, it's like I think my record in undergrad for not sleeping was literally 74 hours. And that was, I literally slept while I walked to, to have like a meal after the, the um, presentation, which I don't recommend that to anyone. Seriously, like uh, in, in, in Asia and Taiwan, especially is a lot different than here in the States. And here you have big land, big lots, big yard. And, and the floor plan is, oh, you need a bathroom? Okay, let's put a bathroom over there on the big lot. In, in Taiwan and many parts of Asia where the population density is, is so you know narrow and you have you know one person every like I don't know three square foot or something like that um, you, you have to actually design you have to actually you know think about elevation and think about you know can can this people live on top of this guy's shoulder by doing some type of type of architectural design stuff like that and then you know I like came over here and I'm like okay well what I just learned does not apply at least here in Texas maybe in New York but uh for me you know i i I really think that i focused more after graduation on how to live the life i want more than you know do i want to pursue the continuation of architectural design i mean through my five years of, of, of undergrad i have learned how to draw floor plans elevations do 3d modeling do you know, uh, uh, rendering and all that stuff. So I can literally build a house virtually if I want to, uh, with, with Taiwanese standard, not, not with American standard. Um, but does that help? Yes. It helps in real estate somewhat, you know, I, I can, I can tell what things are. Uh, but after graduation, you know, like I said, uh, last week I had, a conversation with my father, who's a very successful businessman in Taiwan, multimillionaire, whatever. And we were talking, I was, he was like, oh, so now that you have finished your undergrad, you know, what do you, how do you plan on living your life? And I was like, well, I'm gonna have to go get a master's degree to get, you know, 60 grand a year. And <laughs> then he's like, how much is a, you know, how, how many years is a master's degree? I was like, two years. And I was like, okay, well, have you ever considered going to business? And I was like, well, but I just spent five years of my life, you know, not sleeping on in architecture school. So maybe you should focus more on what type of life you want to live. So that's that's kind of the turning point for me with with the deep observation. Uh, I decided to go into my family's business in Taiwan and uh, and model myself after the vice president and my father uh, in their decision making. And if you know, I mean in the business everything's numbers oriented etc so there's no such thing as no i don't like the chandelier no i don't like the crystal ball or whatever it's just does this make sense number wise and is that a risk you're willing to take to potentially gain this much money and i actually think that resonated with me more um and so after a year in 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 uh, my, my family's business, I've um, opted for a, um, a opportunity to partner up with a local Texan here uh, in the Dallas-Fort Worth area to expand the um, 
import exporting business to the U.S. And that was when I acquired my uh, first real estate. Now uh, it's a re industrial building located in the Great Southwest Parkway. If you know anything about that, I acquired it back in 2013 for you know for about one fourth of the price of what it's worth right now, and that that went great for me. So it so quadrupled. Yeah, yeah, it quadrupled basically. You know, nice. when I sold it, I didn't quite quadruple, but now it would have it would have quadrupled, and uh, and that just you know while I was doing that and and just coming here on my own, you know, learning to be a businessman by myself. Now remember, I have no degree in business whatsoever, so for me, the one thing that that I have the one skill that I have to focus on is to basically be self sustainable in here in a in a uh place that i don't know i i used to go to um, school in washington state you know the west coast not i don't know anything about texas and how to you know how things work here and how to socialize with people in business so that's that's how i i kind of got through and then eventually i've learned that in my five years of running an import exporting business wow it's great for cash flowing because import export is just numbers on a sheet and then purchase order sales order you're done um the money i gained from buying that industrial building and selling it is almost equivalent to all the numbers of hours i have placed into import and exporting so that's when i decided i'm going to become a real estate investor uh more than you know just doing a business i'm still running that business but it's not it's pretty much automated right now i don't know if that i don't know if that answered the question but yeah yeah it does uh, so what do you what do you feel now i want to ask this question do you feel you are currently in an apprenticeship you're in your I'm definitely in an apprenticeship again i i knew nothing about um real estate or business i don't have a degree in it i don't have anyone to you know look after right now i mean uh, in business my mentor is my family's business's director which is my father and the vp and then uh you know in real estate i you know i joined uh, ria last year and brent over there is somewhat my mentor you know so i'm definitely in apprenticeship uh, ship phase right now if I could share a little bit uh, about my experience, you know, um, uh, I feel that, you know, all these years of uh, growing real estate IQ has been an apprenticeship. You know, um, I think we ha always have a lot of different uh, priorities, a lot of things that we got to uh, do. Um, but I, you know, in retrospect, I think there's always, a, a, you know, a sub subconsciously there's some uh, a particular focus. I think in the beginning, it was uh, sales. It was a lot of hard sales. Um, and Brent and I were just talking about hard sale, hard selling versus a soft selling. Um, and then uh, I think uh, after that, we, we hit a, a different a phase and I had to focus a lot on learning about marketing, which I knew nothing about. Uh, uh, so learning a lot about uh, marketing. Um, so each of those I think is apprenticeship. For each, for each of the discipline. And then we ha really had to focus on operations. Uh, and I, I want to say that my, uh, most of my experience has been on, in operations. So setting up the operations and now we're on to kind of different things. Uh, but at the same time, if I look back on my marketing skill set 
and my sales skill set. I'm probably still an apprentice. Maybe I'm an expert. Maybe I'm in the borderline. But you know, there's still a lot of, um, I guess, uh, a gap that I gotta fill. So, so sometimes it feels like everything I look at, it's like, oh man, I gotta get better. I gotta get better. And it's very hard to choose that focus to to keep growing more. Um, uh, but I think uh, perhaps if we combine everything, you know, as a, as a business person, you don't need to be good at, you don't need to be the best salesman. You don't need to be the best marketer. Maybe you just need to be the best uh, business. Uh, you just need to be the best entrepreneur, I guess. So uh, I think there's still that theme. I think I'm still in an apprenticeship in many things, which is why we're learning uh, everything that we do. That's my comment. I, uh, yeah. so I'll, you mind if I pitch in real quick? Yeah, Please. sure. So I've, I've never done anything that I was, uh, that I was, uh, qualified to do before I did it. So I'm, I'm definitely one to jump into stuff before I'm ready to do stuff. Um, I've, I've, I've put in my 10,000 hours in real estate. So, um, real estate, I, I have a level of, I, I have a level of mastery within real estate, but every time that I venture into something new, I try to find a business partner that knows that aspect really well. And I try to um, add value to them uh, uh, and, and glean from them uh, new information. Um, I was trying to act really cool and know what I was talking about, but I'm gonna quote uh, the movie Ghostbusters. Um, the guy that plays uh, Egon, I think is his name, um, ha, ha, is, is quoted and you've probably heard this quote but it's find the most successful person in the room stand next to them and try to be helpful um, so I'm always trying to find that most successful person in the room and I'm trying to get next to them and I'm trying to add value to them uh, and that's, that's added a lot for, for every new aspect of my business that I've opened that's that's the one one of the ways that I did it was I went I networked I found um, I found the person that uh, I, I don't want to sound arrogant here um, I don't I don't want to learn from somebody that I'm not willing to trade places with right. um, so I, I want to find that person that has what I want or ha has achieved what I want to achieve and I want to replicate them and the best way that I can get them to invest time in me is figuring out how do I add value to that person how do I add value to that person and that that's been one of my uh, one of my keys to success is figuring out how to add the most value to the most successful people great thanks for the for the input so well actually the next one um, there were so many people mentioned in this uh, part, you know, the eight effective strategies for a perfect apprenticeship. I'm not going to discuss all of them, just a few points. And, you know, he mentioned uh, people like Henry Ford, Paul Graham, very popular people, and just told them about, you know, how they came to that point from apprenticeship to mastery. And it's really amazing. Um, uh, there's for the eight effective strategies says to value learning over money, we discussed that. Keep expanding your horizons. 
revert to a feeling of inferiority. So there's our ego that's uh, tempting to tell yourself you're good already, right? And um, but we have to uh, make sure that we're there to learn and to trust the process. It really takes time. Push through the pain and frustrations. Uh, move towards resistance and pain. We're on. Our natural tendency is to avoid pain at all costs. So instead of that, uh, Robert Greene is saying to go in the opposite direction of your natural tendency. So don't be nice to yourself. <laughs> go against the tendency uh, to lose focus. And to apprentice yourself in failure, look at failures are as learning opportunities, like Steve always says. And uh, that means sometimes you win, sometimes you learn. Combine the how and the what, learn deeply about your field or any other field that is connected. Advance your trial and error. Don't follow you know, a fixed or strict path. Learn as many different skills as you can in the area that uh, interests you. So uh, Robert Greene points out that there will be pain, resistance, and frustration. So how do we know because it it applies to me when i started actually a business before and it failed so that was my first attempt in opening a business so how do we know if we actually continue you know the same path no matter how painful it is or to just give up and you know decide to look for other skills or, or field to master i'll i'll chip in on this one um in terms of resistance and pain I think there's a clear distinction between what is meant for you to, uh, you know, to pursue and what is not. Um, everyone has their own niche. Okay. Uh, I, I am more a uh, numbers oriented guy. Uh, I'm not, you know, although I'm talking right now to multiple different people, I'm not by nature a very sociable guy. You know, I'm the type of person who sit home, does, does his homework, or, you know, watch, use the computer the whole day, or what you would call it, otaku in, in Japanese. Um, I want to uh, partner with you, actually, I partner with you back in school, so you can do the work. <laughs> yeah, so so I, I think there's a clear distinction, right? So I, I tend to think that uh, focus what you're good at, learn what you don't know but you don't need to be a master at everything that you don't know because it's just not you know it's extremely painful for one thing because you're not naturally good at it you know someone who is more number oriented usually is not very you know very outgoing and and can can uh, get on the emotional side of the brain usually and so uh I just partner up with people who then knows how to do that. You know, I, I have multiple partners that, you know, I partner with, uh, with a real estate broker who, you know, goes into a bar and starts chit chatting with, you know, 10 different people. At the end of the day, he got, you know, three or four different listings in one day. And that's the type of people I network with. Uh, but you do need to network. You do need to learn, that some of that social skill for me anyways because you need to find that one person you can't just be like oh well i'm just gonna keep i'm good at it, and just stare at the computer the whole day and not network with anyone well then you don't you will never find anyone who you know who would be able to uh compensate for your short um so that's that's my suggestion for pain which is 
do it, learn it, understand it. You don't need to be a master at it, but you know, uh, don't think, Oh yeah, you know, so difficult, so hard. I got to master it. And then I got to go into, um, you know, training more and more of what you're not naturally good at. And that's, that's my personal suggestion over there. Great. Great. How about you, Brent? So, um, one, one thing that Steve and I were talking about yesterday was the, was the 80, 20 rule. Um, 80, uh, the 80-20 rule or uh, Pareto principle uh, kind of stems that uh, 20 per, or excuse me, 80% of your results come from 20% of what you do. Um, the opposite of that is 80% of your problems come from 20% of your customers. So, but I, I like to look at the results, and if 80% of what I do comes from, or 80% of my results comes from 20% of what I do, you know, I can look at that 20%. And I can do that 80-20 rule again. And when I do that, I'm at the nine or I'm at the 96-4 rule. Um, and what I told Steve yesterday is I am pretty bad at almost everything. There are very few things in this world that I'm good at. That four percent of what I'm good at, I'm pretty good. That that four that four percent where I operate in my zone, I'm I'm good. Um, Everything else I'm, I'm pretty bad at. And I've, I've, uh, one of the things I'm good at is, is communicating with uh, and, and establishing partnerships uh, with people that are good at the, the 90, that are much better at the 96. So um, that, is, that is definitely huge. Um, uh, figuring out, you know, where, where do you add uh, the, the, most, uh, the most opportunities? Um, but I mean, I, I definitely believe in the, uh, are, are we just talking about these eight strategies and kind of our, our feelings? Was there something specific that I'm supposed uh, to resisting in pain, Brent, resisting in pain. Anything you want to say? No, I mean, 96 per, so, um, uh, Darren Hardy has it right. He wrote a book called the entrepreneur roller coaster. 96% of what we do as entrepreneurs sucks. The other 4% is really awesome. So, I mean, it's a, there, there's a lot of stuff that I, I, I mean, I've got to, um, I've got today, I've got to put together an offering uh, memorandum for investors. I don't like putting together offering memorandums, but it's, it's part of the, the aspect of it. It's, it's part of the, the, the growth and what's coming next. Um, so one, one of the projects that I'm working on, on the forefront and, and it's a long-term goals. I'd like to start a, uh, a, a REIT essentially. Uh, real estate investment trust. So right now, um, I'm going through the pain of uh, of taking classes to learn that new skill. Yesterday, I went through the pain of writing a check for more training on that. Um, so uh, the the pain is worth it. The the going through and and the learning new skills is is uh, is absolutely worth it. I mean the 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 sacrifice of this and. This isn't going to sound like a sacrifice, um, but uh, six months ago, I went to a class in Hawaii. I know everybody feels really sorry for me for that sacrifice that I had to make. But out of, out of that, um, I've got a pending contract to buy from, from, a, from a network, from a connection that I made there. I've got a pending transaction to buy 36 acres in Hawaii. That's going to add um, four thousand dollars a month cash flow, four thousand dollars a month cash flow um, to my business every month. Um, and 
when I say the, the pain of going through the class, it was a really expensive class. So it was, it was painful to pay for the class. Um, I sat through uh, more education, which education after you're done with school is class after you're done with school is even harder to sit through. Um, and then, uh, and then, so I've got that one deal that's going to add. And then at, uh, two o'clock today, I've got another, I've got a meeting for another deal just because somebody said, Hey, you do deals in Hawaii, right? And, and, and I mean that that's just, just everything kind of leapfrogs and stacks from when you do stuff that uh, it, it's a stretch to say that the class in Hawaii was a pain. But it, it was it was a sacrifice. Um, I I took you know ten days out of my business. Um, it cost uh, it cost almost twenty thousand dollars to between the the class and the trip. I mean it cost some significant. It was a significant cash investment. I had to sit in class instead of enjoying Maui. Um, but then from that I got one, and from that I got another, and now I have I have a reputation. And, and now I'm going to have to go to Hawaii once a month, I guess, and develop a RIA there. I don't know. <laughs> hey, I want to go. Uh, I, I always uh, enjoy uh, Maui. Uh, I think it's like the, not, the most uh, chill and relaxing uh, place that I've been to. Uh, I also want to add here, um, you know, I just po I, I posted uh, this in our um, company uh, internal communication that, you know, so it's about stretching our comfort zone. You know, we gotta be comfortable with uh, feeling uncomfortable. Always gotta do that because if you're always comfortable, you're not growing. You're just going with the flow. You're not being challenged. And then you're gonna look back, you're gonna go, well, man, I haven't grown. Um, and I think it takes a, a particular, uh, it takes the growth mindset to understand that we need to always stretch, you know, like we got to always do things that we're not uh, comfortable uh, with. So uh, with, with Shirley, I want to say that um, the past couple of weeks, she has, uh, she started doing uh, the research for the hot trends and she's been presenting uh, for our meetings. Uh, and also uh, here, she's also moderating the, the book club. And uh, I think all these are kind of outside of your original comfort zone. But once you do it more and more and more, I mean, I think you're doing a very good job today. So I want to give you a, some, uh, give you a very uh, nice compliment. Um, and then uh, personally, uh, the past nine months, some of you may know this, uh, I have been uh, trying to figure out, you know, get into the flow of uh, funding and uh, money. You know, uh, we, we just established a investor relations department and expanded our finance department. Um, and man, there's like, I think I probably read 10 books about startup fundraising all the way to crowdfunding, franchising. Uh, and I think I'm still in the middle of that uh, education. And it's the most stressful thing. I feel like when you're just like, when you're dropped in the middle of somewhere you're completely uncomfortable with. Uh, and I think the older I got, the harder, the more stressful it felt. Um, so, uh, I, you know, I, you know, now I'm kind of observing, uh, I have a little more orientation is that I think what I did is number one is, is I, I learn and read as much as I, I can. Uh, and then I also kind of created things that I draw from what I'm comfortable with also. So like kind of like creating these systems and 
uh, uh, creating uh, the operation side of things, which I'm I'm more, a little more comfortable with, and marketing and all that stuff, and taking that that I'm comfortable with with what I was not comfortable with, and kind of merging the two. I felt that that was uh, that seems to work in terms of um, making me feel more comfortable with all these new things that are super confusing. Uh, and I also uh, realized that when I sleep, I, my mind organizes all these chaos a lot. So I was also sleeping a lot when I was learning a lot. <laughs> That's good. Uh, hey, is it okay if I uh, address a couple questions in the chat? Yeah. Yes. Okay. So David said, Brent, how did you learn uh, what you're good at? So um, when, when I talk about my, my 496, uh, my, my four that I'm good at is uh, communication, um, strategy, um, vision, um, strategy and vision. Uh, those two there, there's a lot of pattern recognition there. Um, and I've got, uh, I, I have the, the good side of these, but I also have the bad side of these. Um, I'm ADHD and I have uh, obsessive compulsive disorder. Um, uh, and, and I, I don't have bad, like, I'm not like, a, I don't have weird ticks or anything uh with ocd like i'm not my, my dad actually is a counter my dad counts the number seven at all times um so i've genetically in, inherited some some ocd tendencies um but i'm through that i've just always identified patterns and it started off with with geometric patterns so if like when normal people see a chain link fence i i see pictures in the chain link fence um and that allows me to see uh, the way that things relate and connect to each other. Um, and, and that helps me a lot with, with my strategy. So when I learn a new, when I learn something new in the real estate world, or if I learn something in the business world, I can see in my mind how it pairs together with something else that I already know. And that, that helps me out with strategy and vision. Uh, communication. Um, I got in trouble a lot in school because I was always the one talking, um, and and just figured out that uh, if I if I had if we had a, a project and a presentation, I didn't like to plan uh, for presentations, so I could get up and uh, and just talk, and and that was just just one of the skills that. Uh, that I developed and then you know when I was in high school and college I, I acted uh, which which helped and then uh, just really learned how to uh, marry marry those together so how did I figure out what I was good at uh, it was it was just some skills that uh, the, the the talking thing just kind of came uh, and it's mostly because I got in trouble for it a lot um, but the, the strategy and vision just, just really appealed to me. There's a, there's a specific tool. Um, it's called the Strengths Finder. It's from Gallup. It's by Tom Rath. So Strengths Finder is really good. Um, I'm also a really big fan of, uh, of personality tests. Um, so Myers-Briggs does a really good one. If you just Google Myers-Briggs um, personality. So here's you, you can either pay for it. Um, which is what you should do, okay? Or if you don't want to pay for it, um, you can just Google free Myers-Briggs tests and then type in your personality type in YouTube. And that's going to that's gonna teach you a lot about your personality type. Um, 
my personality type is the one that doesn't remember exactly what they are. Um, but uh, if you get on YouTube and research your, your personality type, and then the next step to that is, is and YouTube is, is a great resource for that, there's 16 personality types. And I went through and I searched how my personality type should communicate with each other personality type. Um, and in, in researching that, I learned about the other personality types and I realized, oh, you know what? Other people might not be as good at this, so I can, I can develop this skill a little bit more um, as well. So um, uh, another way that I, that, I, that I learned that I would rather speak is uh, stage fright is more common than the fear of death. Um, people are typically more afraid of public speaking than they are of dying. Um, you know, I mentioned a couple weeks ago, I was always a lazy kid. If all I had to do was talk and everybody else would do the rest of the project and just give me a briefing before I had to talk, awesome. I'll do that. Uh, so, yeah, boss. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so, um, but, but the, the strengths finder is a really good way to, to identify. And then I highly recommend the Myers-Briggs. I think it's M-Y-E-R-S and then B-R-I-G-G-S, Myers-Briggs. Also, uh, there's a test called the DISC profile. What's your personality type again? Mine, I think I'm ENTJ, I think. Nice. I think I'm an ENTP. I was border for four. I was borderline four. I think I was ENTP. I'm an and, our, and, our, and our personality changes slightly a little bit uh, over time, depending on the roles you take. Like for for real estate investors, let's say they uh, they leave a corporate job and they are jumping into real estate investment, for example, uh, be, uh, because your role is different, your personality also tends to have a little bit of shift over time. And then another comment I have is these uh, personality tests is really good for understanding yourself your own communication style and other people's communication style. It's very good for team building and teamwork. So um, uh, I think what we have when we recruit people is that uh, we have them take the uh, Myers-Briggs, I think. You know, we have the executive, uh, uh, um, what, um, console, all those different personality types uh, mapped out. Uh, when we when they uh, when they join us, so uh, within the team standpoint, uh, we also uh, uh, kind of have a way for everybody to understand each other's uh, kind of preferred communication style. And you know, sometimes there's a lot. You know, communication is so important. And it's like the hardest thing in business, uh, especially now that uh, uh, everybody's is working more remote, um, and you don't get to communicate in person a lot of things get lost. So whenever there's a confusion and a conflict, uh, when you understand each other's personality types, it can fill in a lot of the blanks uh, in terms of uh, understanding each other. That's the comment I want to make. Right. And I like what Brent said a while ago that, you know, having a business is 96%. It sucks. 4% is worth it. So I think <laughs> if you can remember that 4%, you know, everything would be worth it. So, so I, if yeah. I could play, if I could please uh, add a plug here for Real Estate IQ is that over the years we have built uh, all these departments and the idea is for all these departments to be profit centers 
Uh, and so we're slowly rolling out uh, services from these departments uh, to complement your 96% so you can focus on your 4% as much as possible. So stay tuned for those services. And if you're curious about what they are, reach out to us. Uh, you know, we'd love to explain kind of the vision to you and then all those programs will follow. And that's it. Uh, to wrap up, Robert Green says, nobody can skip this apprenticeship phase. And if you guys have any, any, anything more to add about this chapter. Um, the other uh, comment, I just want to read uh, Giovanna's comment that, uh, you know, the most important skill set for any uh, new real estate investor is discipline. I think that's very important, like not giving up. Uh, I mentioned this at, um, at the Quest, uh, at the Quest uh, annual conference uh, uh, once is that, you know, as real estate investors, you already have a business model that you know is profitable uh, and you just need to work and work and work, which work really hard and make it happen. Uh, I think, you know, uh, with us as a startup uh, back in the days, we didn't have a, a good, uh, you know, we had to figure out our business model every step of the way. Um, and it, it has been uh, always uh, very hard every step of the way. I guess it's 96% it was struggle, right? Uh, uh, but with real estate investing, there's a lot of model, a lot of things that you can follow. Uh, and it's all about working hard. I think it's, you know, uh, sweats and efforts. And obviously you gotta be smart, right? You gotta learn and you gotta be smart first, but you gotta just consistently do it and make things happen and keep building your business. You will find a lot of success. None of, none of, none of what you learn works unless you do. It's all about doing. And I think the apprenticeship phase is not just geared towards what you want to do in life in terms of career, but more so, uh, I, I personally think whenever you end a pr apprenticeship phase, you go into the new apprenticeship phase for either another subject or another skill or another career or something of the sort. So I, I have, um, a really long apprenticeship and I, I guess I'm still apprentice uh, in the business world with the um, international trading export importing world and uh, now I'm, I'm an apprentice in the real estate investing world I'm also an apprentice in the just regular investing world in you know stocks bonds futures ETFs so on and so forth so, uh, you know, it's a continuous learning. They, they say you learn until you die. And I think that's very, very true. Uh, you're always learning, you know, when we were young, we're learning from our parents, our teachers. And then when we get older, we're learning from our peers. And then when we get even older, we learn from our children. It's, it's, it's happening all the time, you know. Uh, in 10 years, there's, I don't know, maybe none of us would be using a computer anymore. Maybe we would have a lens that, you know, automatically puts it in the virtual world we're gonna to have to learn that and then you know so continuous learning is real important and i think um uh, by combining all our expertise that we have learned through all these apprenticeships and practices we can gain a very unique insight that's the next million dollar idea so i think those ideas are just around the corner that's right okay i think we're done shirley yes uh, okay. So what's next? We're gonna have a breakout. Do we still have time for breakout rooms? Or I think what we're gonna do is to allow everyone to speak and introduce themselves, and then we'll do the drawing. 
Um, now, while we're doing that, uh, while we're getting the setup, I just want to introduce everybody to the portal. Uh, Tessa, are you there? Oh, Tessa's at another meeting. So let me just uh, show everybody the portal. You go to realcioq.co. Uh, you can come here and you can join and set up your profile. I encourage everybody to do that. Uh, and um, what I want to show you in particular is the community. We have the groups set up. Once you uh, sign up for a profile, you can join these uh, clubs. So we, we're just uh, adding these two here. Uh, and the Real Estate IQ uh, is here. I think a lot of our, our folks are already on here. If you have a subject matter uh, or a group that you want to promote, you can set up your group here. You can, uh, I think, create your own group uh, here as well. And then you can uh, you know, be the subject matter expert for that particular subject. So I encourage everyone to uh, join the groups and join the discussions and uh, share everything uh, you know. So who wants to go? Introduce yourself. So I think maybe the format, if I may suggest, is, um, uh, you know, I guess um, everyone can talk now and um, you uh, make sure you unmute yourself and uh, on the chat, put down your name, email and address, email, uh, excuse me, email address and phone number here. Um, just introduce uh, some brief introduction about uh, yourself, what you do, and uh, that, would in, that would allow the connection after this event. Can we add a what we're looking for? Yeah, please. What's your name? What are you doing? What are you looking for? I, I know Marcella, so I'm going to call out Marcella. Marcella. Thanks, Brett. <laughs> um, I'm Marcella, a real estate investor. Do kind of a lot of different types of investing within the investment world. And what I'm looking for now is different unique ways to do marketing to get leads right now. Awesome. New, new unique ways of marketing. Uh, perfect. Definitely have uh, some good ideas there. We're in a, we're in a weird spot for, uh, we're, we're, we're just in a weird spot right now. Um, I saw some news today that I haven't verified that, that, to me, looks like we might get out of this sooner rather than later. It could be total BS. Um, I don't know. Um, so I think we're going to see huge opportunities as soon as this, uh, as soon as this lifts. Um, to and I think the world's uh, going to go back to normal. I think I personally think that the the way the economy is going and the way that the markets are going, um, I think we're going to have a very V-shaped um, uh, reaction. Um, I, I think that with as fast as everything's dropped, I think we're going to see a very rapid uh, spike back up uh, in values as well. Um, historically, the faster a market falls, the faster it goes back up. Um, and I think that we've got uh, th this. This is opinion. I have no science beyond this, so don't. Um, I, I think that there is uh, a little bit of hysteria. Um, that's, that's compounded about uh, around uh, this virus. And I think that um, I think that once that subsides a little bit and, and, and I'm not discounting it, I'm not discounting it by any means. But I think as soon as some of the, the hysteria behind this drops, I think we're going to see the, the market uh, react very positively very quickly. 
I agree. I see that as well. I think it's not as crazy as some people like make the housing market sound. Um, I think that we're just going to be bouncing right back. It's just how can we react and still be active during these couple of weeks while things are a little uncertain. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's, it's nuts. Everybody's at home. People are responding. Um, we're focused when we're dealing with sellers. It, uh, our biggest focus is on building relationships more than sell your house right now. Um, and, uh, and, and figuring out, uh, going back to the hard versus soft sale, very, very soft sale, very adding, try just finding ways to add value to, to homeowners uh, and building that relationship. So that they're the ones, so that we're the ones that they call um, when they, uh, when, when all this craziness uh, passes on. Yeah. I, I, I feel that, uh, you know, this is the perfect time to work on our marketing systems uh, and kind of create that, nurturing uh, uh, I guess process in your in your pipeline um, so that you're very well positioned when the time uh, when when we get out of this you know you're gonna get a lot of phone calls and you're gonna get tons of leads uh, because you already got all that pipeline you're building that nurturing Israel's been typing in David's been typing in whoever talks first uh, Israel Hillier so I'm down here in Alvin. So currently what I am personally working on is I'm working on a lot of self-development right now. I'm still doing real estate deals, but what I'm really focusing on is trying to gather as much cash in hand as possible for when we do hit the bottom. So I can take full advantage of that. That's awesome place to be. Yeah. Great strategy. Um, my name is David Johnson, and um, I am uh, looking. I'm also doing a lot of self development. I'm putting together some some marketing plans, trying to find some uh, methods of finding leads that are uh, not as traditional as what we've done in the past. And um, I'm looking for for ways to um, looking for for deals that I can bring to other big dogs and partner with them on it really. So I can speed up my learning curve and the beard looks good, Brent. Thank you. <laughs> Getting a lot of compliments on that. <laughs> I got an email from uh, a friend uh, who said that she thought the uh, COVID virus was just an excuse for men to grow beards. Pretty much. I wear a beard about half the time. And I also uh, feel that, you know, this, you know, this thing that we're kind of forced to live at, at, to work from home, it's been kind of nice. You know, we're not pressured to uh, go outside and network. We can do a lot of networking and do get a lot of business uh, done uh, virtually here too. So, you know, kind of a, a blessing in disguise uh, in, in a way. Okay, I can go. Yes, please. Uh, yeah, this is Jaime Escano. So um, I base mainly do um, I do some flipping and very minimal wholesaling. Um, I also I am looking for owner financing new strategy, um, and that's just in case uh, I just want to be better at it. It's one of the strategies that I that I haven't that I haven't been deep into, and I think it's uh, I think it's often overlooked, and I think it might be helpful in case. Uh, 
the shit hits the fan. <laughs> owner finance is an awesome strategy, and right now is a great time to get owner financed. As I say, look, I'm, I'm still willing to pay the, the price of what the market was, but I've got to get it on terms. Um, look, the banks are, who knows what the banks are doing. They're acting crazy right now. Um, I'll pay your price, but I don't think, I don't think a bank's going to finance anybody. So for you to sell this, I think you're either going to have to find a cash buyer with nobody's going to buy this cash, or you're going to have to offer some financing. So I think, uh, yeah, my main questions come off of in twofold, um, not only owner financing, but also being able to connect, um, I guess people that don't qualify for loans at all. So I'm trying to capture them all and working through all that. Find the, um, find the deal. Buyers are a dime a dozen. People that want to buy owner finance are a dime a dozen. Find the deal and then find the buyer. The trick with the buyer is you've got to find them with cash down. Cause if you're, if you're owner financing with no cash down, I'll buy all of them. I don't even care what you're selling them for. You give me the right, $1 million for a hundred thousand dollar house. Great. I'll give you a dollar a month for the next million months. You, you give me the right terms. I'll buy any house owner finance for any price. So get the, get the house, get the deal. That's the commodity and then do the marketing to find the buyer. The way you throw, the way you find an owner finance buyers, walk out your front door, throw a rock, and you're going to hit one. Okay, it's not that simple. Um, <laughs> get a bandit sign, write 15k down, cheaper than rent, owner finance. Um, put you know 25 of them in the area around the house. Um, let the knock on the neighbors' doors, ask the neighbors, hey, do you know anybody that wants to live in this neighborhood? Um, I'll pay you a referral if you, and, and you get to pick your neighbor. You get to pick a friend. Hi, this is Chris. Hi, Chris. Um, hi. Thank you guys for doing this. It's, it's very interesting. I missed the first uh, meeting, but I'm looking forward to the rest of it. Um, I'm basically um, doing, I've done some flips and some holds. Um, right now I'm, I'm looking to um, increase my marketing and and looking to just be a part uh so um doing some webinars i also am very much enjoying this time at home although i'm retired anyway so i do get a lot of time at home but like you said we're not we're not pressured to go out to network we get to do it all uh here at the house and so i've been having a lot of fun with that oh less traffic <laughs> a lot less traffic for sure <laughs> yes yeah i think it's um where you know, this whole virtual networking thing, I think it's going to stay at, okay, so this is what I, I, I think. And again, it's like what Brent said, it's like an opinion. It's not a, maybe it's a prediction that could be completely wrong. Uh, <laughs> but I think even if we lift the ban from, uh, you know, uh, from social distancing uh, and all that, we're going to be looking at maybe even June uh, for people to feel safe being out there and doing more networking. Even then, I think uh, that more folks would be more comfortable being, uh, um, being at home doing virtual online uh, networking, uh, more so than, uh, much more so than before. So I think we're seeing a shift uh, in um, consumer behavior and our kind of networking uh, behavior in, in terms of, uh, you know, how we're going to be doing marketing, you know, how, 
people are going to be uh, uh, networking. I think these next couple of months, people are going to feel very comfortable doing uh, online uh, type of networking. And I think it's going to enhance our connections. I agree. I, I agree completely. I think this is, this is going to create a significant change, a significant shift, as you said, throughout the entire world. Um, so many things are changing, you know, how, how the colleges are teaching, even how the high schools are teaching, and how we're getting together. And I do think that people are getting together more now, virtually, than they did before this. And I think that that will continue. Yeah. And so, you know, how do we position ourselves for this kind of new global, global trend? You know, the better we are at positioning our business to ride that wave, uh, the more successful we're going to be. So Pedro, uh, I typed in here that uh, I typically work the pre-foreclosures by going door to door. Now I'm not writing letters instead, but want to find an effective way of sending the letters. I'm also looking for investors to network and share resources. So yeah, so I think uh, letters is good. Handwritten letters uh, tend to have a much more um, uh, effectiveness than uh, something that's just printed out. Um, and look into, you know, email, email marketing and uh, phone calls and texts. Those are very effective marketing uh, ways. Now I'm getting a lot of texts mar marketing on my phone. For webinar schedules, follow us at our official social media accounts or visit us at www.realestateiq.co.